This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexel series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, as we go through this new normal, this world pandemic, you know, there are certain things that we need to be mindful of. For one, for those of you who are retailers out there, how to navigate through this new normal and stuff like that, but also building the relationships. And one of the relationships that has been either really great or at odds from time to time is the uh, is the baby boomer and millennial generation but to talk about all of this we have a fantastic guest for you today for sure he is a graduate of syracuse university in grad school at columbia university he is the former ceo of rue 21 transforming into an industry powerhouse boasting 11 consecutive years of profitability and high growth by energizing and inspiring his team at unprecedented levels He's also sits on the board of one of my favorite stores, Ali Bargain Outlet. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, and he's also the author of Fish Tales, The Making of a Millennial Baby Boomer. I got to talk about that title. He is Bob Fish. Mr. B, how's it going, man? I'm great, Dominic. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain. Uh, you definitely ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today because we can definitely use your advice, my man. Yeah, and you're one of the first people that even knows Ollie's, which is now a $7 billion company and over 360 <laughs> stores. So we'll talk about that later. That's sure, great. For sure, for sure. Yeah, me and my uh, friends, we like to get a lot of comic books and graphic novels from there. So uh, definitely <laughs> one of our go-to spots for sure. But before we kind of dive into that, if you would, please, sir, just kind of share with us a little bit about your origin story and background uh, a little bit, if you don't mind. Good, sir. Sure. It would be my pleasure. Um, you know, I've been in retailing over 40 years and, and I started with a company called Abraham and Strauss out of New York City, uh, which was a division of Federated. And as you know, the world of retail, the names have changed, they've closed, they've consolidated. Right. And, you know, it merged more into being part of what's still today Bloomingdale's and Macy's part of Federated. Mm -hmm. And it was when I started and when I was there, the number one store in the country. And, and so it gives you a great background because there's a lot of good leaders and mentors. So, for example, People like Mickey Drexler, who ended up building the Gap and J. Crew, or Michael Jeffries, Abercrombie and Fitch. You know, those are people that 
I was there and started and you learn from them. So I started my career there and then moved down to uh, Florida uh and uh which is actually my permanent residence and it still is today right. and uh work in a company called Jordan Marsh uh and really developed to be coming a senior vice president of of all retail there in that in that company and then went on to US Shoe Corporation uh Casual Corner Group um uh, Luxottica Lenscrafter things like that and um and so, but the most important thing, though, was about 20 years ago, uh, I ended up saying I could take a good risk of going to a private equity world and joined a company at that time that was uh, called Pennsylvania Fashions, which I recreated into Route 21, became right. the founder, CEO, chairman and president and built a business that went was it that I took into bankruptcy, Dominic. Mm -hmm. uh, and but within one year, we came out of it and never missed an estimate as a high growth company for 11 straight years and, and 45 straight quarters and built it from a back to a private business, took it public uh, in 2009, uh, took it private and, and sold it back to my equity partners for over a billion dollars from a business that should have gone away right. if people didn't pay attention to it. Gotcha. and. And so that's in my background, and it's really all about not using theory, but giving back based on uh, what what I've accomplished. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, Bob, if I could ask a quick follow up, because you talked about bringing it back from the brink of bankruptcy and taking out of bankruptcy and stuff like that. Tell me about those early days at, at row at row twenty one. Uh, you know, meeting with the staff. You know, sharing. You know, the the new vision and direction of the company and stuff like that. Sure, and you know, and it also applies to as we're going to evolve in our discussion and and even into today's world. Absolutely, even in the crazy pandemic, because how I look at things now and how I looked at things then are the same and how I would want to push people now into taking a stand. Um, I came in with a game plan, Dominic. Mm -hmm. um, I, it was a risk, you know, right. things in life that can succeed are risks. And, and what I, 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 my, my, my whole thing was, is to be engaged and to be really involved with people and be hands on that even, you know, I've worked in big companies like casual corner group where we had thousands of stores, but, but it was really wanting to redevelop. And I came with a game plan that to go after a business that was in trouble, um, I could have decided that this wasn't right for me. But what I realized is that this had a potential. And instead of just trying to go after conventionalism of going into the malls like Abercrombie and Fitch and Aeropostale and American right. Eagle, I went after specialty stores and value centers of malls and value strip centers mm. and where Walmart or Target were dominant and built a fashion business there. And instead of just looking at ego, Dominic, it was really more what's right to really work with people, build a profit and work through people. I had 20,000 people 
that in, 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 you know, not when I started there, but I had 170 stores, built it up to over 1,200 stores. In fact, it became the largest specialty apparel retailer in store count in America. Wow. Nobody has had more stores. And, and what it was, though, was really building with a lot of youth. And I ended up building with 20,000 people where 90% of them were under 35. And in the home office, I had almost 400 between 20 and 300 of them were between 20 and 30 years old. So I'm all about that. I believe that the youth and, and the millennials really can help make a difference and help you build a business. And, you know, I, I want to ask you about that, you know, in just a second, but I want to go back to uh, something a little bit, if you will, because, you know, you, you, you've seen, uh, you know, retail be on the brink, you know, with Rue 21 and stuff like that. And even before this world pandemic, we were kind of experiencing what some would call like a retail apocalypse, if you will. Right. When you see stores uh, like, uh, you know, uh, 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 what is it? The, the sports retail, sports authority and other stores you know closing stores down and stuff like that what's your commentary on the landscape of retail even before the pandemic and even now well that's a great question because i'm not one that thinks it's just in a retail apocalypse in fact i i look to building businesses when things are tough you just can't stay into legacies Mm. you know and just be at the department stores like the macy's and not change you know you have to change with the times and so whether it was rue and taking it over and building it to becoming a volatile business and viable business or during the recession in 2008-9 i was opening up over 100 stores a year um it has a lot to do with not being afraid to take a stand but not just what you want to do it's really realizing what the customer wants and really thinking about them and people don't always do that dominic so to me it was it was really um you know you're absolutely right there's there's a look Right now, 85% or more of retail business is still brick and mortar. Right. It's just there are going to be tons of consolidations. The bankruptcies, as you, I could go down the list of everything, you know, whether it's a pandemic, pandemic or not. Right. But, but I believe that there's still opportunities, and now's the time sometimes to grab those opportunities. And that's what I like to teach and to go over with people so they can make the best of their lives. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that, for sure. One of the things I take from uh, what Bob is talking about, Startup Nation, is definitely checking that ego at the door when it comes to uh, scaling your business and moving forward. So I appreciate all of that, Bob, for sure. Thank you. Oh, no worries. No worries. And once again, we're talking to Bob Fish, the author of Fish Tales, the making of a millennial baby boomer. And Bob, you talked about this earlier about, you know, uh, about how 90 percent of that workforce in transforming Rue and stuff like that were between 20 and 30 years old. Talk about the some of the the grassroots level impact that 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 demographic, that millennial demographic had on the success of Rue and turning it around, if you don't mind. Sure. And, and, you know, first it starts with leadership from above. Gotcha. You have to give people a chance to have a voice mm. and to be heard because weren't we all 25 years old once? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So even though there's different generations and the reason I, I, which I think I should clarify too, that when we talk about making of a millennial baby boomer, I'm kind of like, going out there as the first millennial baby boomer, but it doesn't mean that I'm the last. And in fact, I own that name and intellectual property and, and and registration of that name. I own it and I'm working on building on it. And what it really means is that 
each of us have traits of different generations. It's just opening up your mind to get out of your comfort zone to accept change and to realize that we have to listen to young people. And so to your question about that, um, to me, it was really, I call it something reverse mentoring. Mm. And that and that's what I'm building on now also and working with, uh, actually I'm putting a program on that together with Fashion Institute of Technology, FIT. And, and reverse mentoring is something really special because, and I, that's what I worked on when I started at Rue also, is having the young people really have a say, Dominic, where they are making a difference, where they're part of meetings with senior management. Look, young people People have great vision. They understand technology really well, but they sometimes need the help to take that vision to fruition. Gotcha. And that's where the baby boomer comes in and helps them and gets them to listen. And sometimes they don't want to listen, millennials. Right. But instead of taking the attitude of there's something wrong with them or, oh, my God, they're all the same. You know, maybe we didn't listen as much when we were younger, too. Right. It's you being smart to know how to get people to listening. And, and to me, I, the listening is a major thing and, and how to mentor people, which we should get into is, is a major thing. So, so, um, I would, we listened to them and, and I did not sit in just an office and building a business of Rue or building, you know, and changing it around. It was really getting out there and being involved and realizing how important that young person is and they make a difference. Absolutely. You know, Bob, I want to ask you this because you talk about this, this mutual mentoring type of dynamic, if you will. What are some of those, those things that uh, somebody from that generation, that millennial uh, taught you that was just so profound that just kind of, you know, just totally changed your mind about maybe the way you do business, maybe the way you think of millennials, maybe the way you think about your own life. Just kind of talk about some of those things they've taught you over the years. Well, and I think they're still teaching me, even Fair though enough. that I'm not running uh, Route 21 as gotcha. the founder. And, and because they get you, they get me out of my comfort zone. Look, I, I specialize in pushing people to reach their limits and go further than they can and to not be afraid to take a stand. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think that, you know, and actually when I left Rue and look to me, you know, I did really well in my career, but I'm all about the best is still yet to come, whether it's millennials or baby boomers. And I really, you know, I wasn't sure what I want to do. I knew that I was thinking of writing a book quite honestly, I don't think it would, would have been as good or or strong if I was still working at Rue because I had I was able to spend a lot of time on it to make sure that it isn't just all about me and Rue, but it was really about how to give back and make a difference. And I think what they taught me is that you can go on to your next career, Bob, and and not only write a book. I formed a millennial advisory board. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely helpful in putting together not only the book, but building my brand uh, and millennial baby boomer. And, and so that was really important. In fact, we are having monthly millennial advisory board salons on discussing and zoom on discussing how to give back. And, and I'm going to be building on that not just the millennial advisory board, but adding people to the zoom to have more people involved in how to bridge the gap. So they really pushed me to really not to be afraid to do something different and, and that, and also to not make me 
think like, gee, I'm getting older or something like that. To me, it's a lifestyle, not an age. And, and, and that's the way I feel. And if I'm teaching them that, then I need to be able to reciprocate. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, if you follow Bob Fish on Twitter, you can see some of these snippets of uh, these Millennial Advisor Board talks that he has that he's talking about on Zoom. If you're listening to the replay on the podcast, we have a link to uh, Bob Fish's uh, Twitter account there in the show notes uh, for easy access. For Thank you for sharing that, Bob. I really appreciate it. I want to go. I want to go back a little bit because you talked about right after college, you you started at uh, Abraham Strauss and talk and stuff like that. Kind of talk about what are some of those business principles, those foundational business principles that you learned uh, there that you still use to this day. Well, you know, just like if you were in sports and you were played for the Lakers or the Celtics with Red Auerbach, the coach, or mm. Pat Riley of the Lakers, they taught you things that you never forget. Gotcha. And what, what I learned a lot about starting off in my career is, and I was allowed to express myself, is confronting issues gotcha. that to me is taking a stand, not being afraid to take a risk and put it on the line. I know some of it can be cliche, but it really isn't what young people need to learn today and people that want to continue in business even older is to not be afraid to put it on the line as long as you've really thought it through and you have to take that risk. Everything in my life in succeeding in different levels has been because of not being afraid. So that would be really strong. That's number one. Number two, um, mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham and Strauss afforded me the opportunity where I could be mentored, but you don't just wait to be mentored, Dominic, you go out and seek mentors. They're not always your boss. Sometimes your boss is the last one that you're going to seek as the mentor, but, but it's, it's, it's something where you have to push to learn from people. And no matter how I built and look, I, I was a CEO at 36, 37 years of age. But I still didn't think that I had all the answers. I still felt that the pieces of the puzzle still needed to be put together. And you learn from mentors that Mickey Drexler was a great mentor. Mm-hmm. And I, in my book, I have a whole chapter about mentors and how important it is for people to seek out people that can help them. So that was also important. And then I think which is really key and I call it weaponized listening mm. is being able to listen and it's people hear things, but they don't listen and are they paying attention? So it's not only it's to your customer, which is obviously important, but it's also to your peers. It's also to your bosses and listening to people. And I've never forgot that, you know, I, I could have been, you know, as young people, aggressive, arrogant, whatever sometimes, but I really always listened and I always played things out. And I think that that's important. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing. I want to ask a follow up because you talked about believing in something and standing forward and and making tough calls and stuff like that. I want to ask you this because let's say there's a time where you have to make a tough call and you know it's the right thing for the organization and for the company, for the group, or for your section or wherever the case may be, but you know that it's going to be an unpopular one. As a leader, how do you kind of communicate to to your team that like, I know this in the front end is going to seem bad and it's going to suck, but trust me, 
in the long run, it's going to be best for all of us. Kind of talk about what a conversation like that would sound like, if you don't mind. Yeah, and I think that ties in not just on the retailing. It ties in today in leaders and who are the real leaders in the country Absolutely. that make a decision that, you know, that, that hey, look, nothing's a, a tougher time right now that you've had a pandemic crisis, you've had riots, you have economic crisis, right. you've got political divisiveness, and you've got, you know, schools, what's going to go on. So to me, um, I think, you know, it's it's really being very authentic and I think being human and that you, you, what I always felt is, look, I could be very tough, but I was always fair. Mm -hmm. And I really believe in working with people. I'm a different type of a CEO and I'm different type of a leader where to me, caring about people, loving people is really important and getting across to them how important they are. And I think that's key. I think that, you know, when, 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 whether it was taking a company out of bankruptcy to great success or during recessions or now, I think it's encouraging feedback and listening, but make a decision and stand behind it. Mm. I never worried about whether it will affect or cost my job. My allegiance was always to the business and employees first. My job security was always second. And I believe that's the same that people should be today. The virus doesn't vote dominant. They can't vote. Exactly. It can't vote. Right. And I think that people should worry less about politics. People in turning a business around is worrying about what needs to be, which I call an authentic leader. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And that that's very powerful. So I, I appreciate you sharing all of that for sure, because I mean, look, we, we live in difficult times right now, you know, uh, and, you know, from an economic standpoint, you, you talk about the political div divisiveness, you know, social unrest and stuff like that. And I know a lot of uh, leaders out there, you know, for you, Startup Nation, I know a lot of you out there are, are having to make tough calls and you, you want to make the right decision, but, you know, you're just not sure how to go about. So I appreciate you sharing all of that, Bob, for sure. Well, if you watch it, you know, I happen to be, you know, in a state where there's a governor that took a stand from day one. I mean, look, Absolutely. New York, New York State was the epicenter of, of right. this whole thing. And it could have gotten even worse. And he's always in the back of people's heads and minds because. He, he was on TV every day talking about it. And, you know, some people could criticize him for being tough. And some people could criticize when they say, well, we, you know, how he's enforcing something that's hard to enforce. But you know what? It's not a popularity contest when you have people's lives at stake. Right. It's not a popularity contest when you're trying to turn a business around for and, and you're working for people or for an equity firm and tying with them. You have to make decisions sometimes that are tough, but make them sound decisions and base them on facts, not right. just I call it. It's like there's authentic leaders and there's robotic leaders. Mm, and to me, to me, robotic leaders are sometimes, you know, they cause divisiveness and poor morale and they only care about themselves and not trusted and they pretend to listen and they do corporate speak. You know, when you, whether it's retail, businesses, politics, whatever, you know, and, and I'm not going to get into the gotcha. politics of who's doing what, sure. but, but people get into corporate speak. 
And what people need to say is not just like, oh, gee, we're going to cut back the police force and save a billion dollars. No, how are you doing things? How are you going to send people to school? What are you going to do about it? And I think that what I saw from a from a a governor in New York and how I also felt that how I ran a business, I I would put it on the line and, and and but I would follow through to explain to people why we're doing this and it gets people through it. You need to be straight with them and don't put politics into it, whether you're in business or, or anything else. For sure. For sure. Thank you for all of that. And and I definitely understand what you mean by governor Cuomo and his leadership uh, during this, during these times. So, and it's something I actually absolutely do admire. So I appreciate you sharing all of that for sure. Now, startup nation, like we talked about earlier that, you know, uh, Bob is also sits on the board of one of my favorite stores, the Ollie uh, bargain outlet. And so, and recently uh, they, uh, you know, had, provided guidance that beat analysts expectations and stuff like that. Right. So right now, Ali is doing fairly well uh, during these times, Bob, if you don't mind me asking, man, you know, you know, what are some of the, the tenants and the, and the attributes and some of the uh, uh, things that you're implementing that you guys are implementing there at Ali that small time, that small business owners can kind of use in their business to got to get some of that replicate some of that uh, retail success. Well, it's interesting because I joined Ali's on the board right before they went public, mm-hmm. which is now five years. Right. It was July 16th. And the company at that time was worth a little less than a billion dollars, which is a big value. Right. And now it's worth seven billion. Right. <laughs> Nobody even knows that about it. Right. And, and the first thing when you said those words to me about what did they do? It was a strategy of keeping it simple. Mm. They don't complicate. By the way, they don't have an online business. Um, right. You know, neither does Ross stores. You know, TJ's has a very small one. It depends what the businesses are. They really are all about the merchandise. They all about finding the right merchandise. Good stuff cheap, as they call it. I don't know if you're a member of the Ali's Army, but but because uh, that's what it, you know, that's what uh, you could join the Ali's Army and get good deals. But but it, it was really um, and also um, and unfortunately, he's a good friend of mine, but he just passed away in December, mm. was the CEO of the company who ran it for 38 years. Um the consistency, and it still is, because it's consistency of the people working in the company. Um, it's a great belief on my part, and that's why I joined Ollie's, is you work with people, not just to get rid of people when something's tough. Gotcha. Because it's not always better, Dominic, just to say, I got to make a change because business is tough. Yes, if people don't want to listen, you got to make a change. But I think the consistency, and especially now with Ollie's, is that they never closed they never closed their doors during the pandemic because they had something that that was important to offer to people right. and now it's their consistency so so i think that um you know they can jump on things quick at great prices and as i said good stuff cheap and it's a bargain hunt you know you go into the store and you expect them to buy something, you end up buying something else. And they're not into fancy signs. They're not into marble floors. You know, they have cheap rent and they give out good product. And, you know, that's what more people should look at, not just to put programs and plans and, and spend all this money on consultants and everything all the time. That's what 
that's what I that I always believed in, and that's what I also see at Ollie's. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure, Bob. And Startup Nation, when you go to millennialboomer.com, we have a link there in the show notes if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. You can not only uh, purchase uh, Bob's book, but you can also uh, look at some of the media he has and some of the content that he has on there. And there's also a blog uh, on there as well. And Bob, I want to ask you about one of your blog posts. You t- it's David and Goliaths. You posted it back in uh, July 10th, July 10th. Uh, of this year. And in it, you talk about how the, the, the multiracial future uh, of our country about how, you know, and, and we've actually had uh, one, a, a vice president from the federal reserve uh, here. And he talked about the graying and the browning uh, of America and stuff like that. So when you talk about how the demographics are changing in the future uh, for, for our country in America, uh, you know, what are some of those uh, like, you know, demographics uh, changes or business changes you need to consider as the, the, uh, the country is kind of moving uh, uh, in a different direction uh, demographically, of course. Well, I, you know, if you're talking about the most current blog, you know, that, yeah, actually, you know, I, I've done a whole series on them. Gotcha. And, and, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's something of where, you know, it is whole thing about, you know, taking a stand and, 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 you know, yes, it's very important that I'm all for taking a stand. I think, Black Lives Matter is incredibly important to get people to understand things. Right. And I think, though, that, you know, we have to make sure that we're making decisions that we then can move forward. Like, I live on the block where all the protests in New York were, where, where even police cars were on fire and all that, where right. thousands of people are going down. But what's important is, and I believe in those protests but it's what we do about it and that the young millennial has a opportunity to do something about that. And it's not just, look, the riots have nothing to do with the protesters really. It's just people agitating coming in. But I think that when we're getting all excited about, you know, statements or even brands that are no longer want to use their names, everything, let's make sure that's important, but let's make sure that what's the most important thing that there's going to be policy changes and making decisions and following up. Gotcha. And that to me, I believe the young people can really make a difference on and pushing on. And so believe it or not, we still have protests in New York. It's right. still going on, but now I don't think that look, the answer certainly isn't riots in Portland and all right. this stuff. Right. I'm not a big believer that there's no police zones. That's not the answer. It's not getting rid of the police. It's what policies do we need to put together? Again, in New York, if Cuomo was criticizing the Blasio because because he's going to cut a billion dollars of the budget of uh, the police force. He goes, OK, what are you doing, though? What are you doing to make the police force better to handle things and learn. Right. And does it have to take six to nine months to make decisions? That's the other thing. I'm all about speed to market. I, the reason that Rue built well and the reason that Ollie's was built strong was speed to market and everything we did in merchandising, building stores, cutting through the, you know what, mm-hmm. to make a decision and not just the belabored decisions. Too much in politics is belaboring it. And that's why people get upset. And it's now who's going to take the action, 
And I guess you've got to vote to take the action too. Right. So, yeah, and push on that. So that's what I think. And I think this is the time where young people have the opportunity to make that difference. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexel series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. This episode of The Startup Life is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Startup Nation, Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, they work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis transforming their lives and the future we share. Startup Nation, right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis in our lifetime. It threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. For just $5, you can buy a baby's first book, providing comfort and inspiring lifelong learning. And for $25, you can serve a nutritious breakfast and lunch to five out-of-school children in need. And there's many other ways you can help support Startup Nation. So go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org forward slash savekids. So if you're ready to make a difference, Startup Nation, remember savethechildren.org. Make the change for children. The Startup Life is powered by Ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show, from those that played Division II basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, and vitamin D, they also included the Rodelio root, which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. For sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, we're wrapping up uh, with Bob Fish, former CEO, f- former founder and CEO of Rue 21. I want to I want to talk a little baseball a little bit. So I was on your Twitter page. You retweeted a few things about the Yankees. So I'm going to assume you're a Yankees fan. You know, what, what do you think their prospects are looking like this year? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I kind of am a Yankees fan. I mean, I used to be a Giant fan, but that's a long time ago. Gotcha. But, but um, you know, what? I think their prospects are very good. I mean, look, you know, what I love about the Yankees is their heritage. Mm. That's another thing. Heritage, to me, don't destroy heritage. Ralph Lauren shouldn't be taking the polo off the polo shirts. Maybe you got to change parts of a company, but too many people try to change heritage. And I think that they've always built themselves on pride. And uh, I think they have a great shot. But look what happened last year. The right. Washington team was in last place in the middle of the year and won the championship. So That's you true. never know. So, But, yeah, I think that uh, I, I like the way they think, they coach, you know, and – I'm, I love to see the players, even though they they have big jobs and some have big egos, but they do put their egos aside on the Yankees to build as a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, you know, but you no know, longtime owner. He's no longer with us now. George Steinbrenner, you know, he was always seen as like a shrewd, tough businessman. What Was he a, a shrewd, tough businessman or was he misunderstood? What's your opinion on him? Um, I think that he's probably both. I think gotcha. he was a very shrewd, tough man that he, see, he, you see, do you know how much he b- bought the Yankees for? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he bought it for like $10 million back in the 70s. Yeah, $11 or something million. Like that, right? dollars, yeah. Yes. You know what it's worth today? A uh, couple I've, of billion. It's a couple of billion. It's got to be. <laughs> the so, Yankees see, brand is powerful. What, <laughs> see, if what I want to teach people mm-hmm. is to realize that they have opportunities and sky can be the limit for people if you take a stand on things that is factual and you're not just doing it because I just feel like doing it and, and that's it because that. he he was not afraid to take a risk and he saw the vision for the future and I think that's important and that's the way I've always lived my life and that's what I really love working with people I've helped people go further than they've ever thought and right now that's what I enjoy the most Dominic is to help people go further and Look, that, that's why if somebody bought a team for $10 million and look what happened. And that it's just like Rue 
taking over a business that was worth zero right. and building it to over a billion dollar company. So, so, you know, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by what we've been discussing and what people could read more in my book. And it's not theory. It's all store school of fish lessons in there and fish food for thought and things that make people think that, you know, that is, it's not just the novel. It's something that people can utilize to do better. And my philosophy is the best is yet to come. And, you know, one more thing on that sure. is that you realize that young people today, 25 years old, 30, they're going to live to a hundred Dominic. Mm. And so, and the people born today are going to live to 110. That means they're going to be working for 80, 90 years. Right. So there's going to be different professions. They, they have to, Take it a little slower. People feel now today if they're not 30 and not multimillionaires, something's wrong with me. Take one step at a time. Don't just go in a job and say after a year, why am I not getting so far ahead promoted? Really, you know, take one step at a time because there's a long life ahead of you and there's a lot of putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And as far as me, you know, the best successes that I had in business and life were in my 50s to 60s. And so, you know, and I look at just keep going forward on that. It doesn't have to just be only monetary. It's how you do other things and build things. So that's my belief. And I believe the best is yet to come. Uh, really quickly, if I could ask you this, you know, who are some of those those young leaders, those young CEOs, whether CEOs or or whoever, who are some of those young leaders you're you're just so excited to see and so excited to see what they kind of uh ultimately become during the maturation process well if you're talking about things now i'm not i'm not i'm not see i'm not been talking or working with people right now who gotcha. are seeing those right, right, right. it's been people like that work with me at route 21 that okay. say we're a manager or a district manager that have now become four years later the director of operations for a company called smile direct club you probably know that. absolutely Yes. So and and so prideful that, say, there's one individual in particular who she was never thought she'd go past being a manager. And and I saw a lot of potential in Rue. And even though these are people that are different levels, you know, working through the chain of commands below me, I don't treat people that way. If I see people with potential, I push their bosses and their bosses' bosses to work with them. And sometimes I speak to them. And I'm very proud that that individual is now the head of all operations in her early 30s of some company that's really growing. So things like that is what I'm talking about. Right. And, and, and to me, it's like, um, you, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, okay. And he's a really interesting character and, and brilliant. And one of the things he he, he had, a, he had a, um, a video that he did last month that just impressive for five minutes. And, and but, but the point was he said, I have these – see these people that were living in Kansas City, these young girls. I want to push to make them billionaires. Mm. And so – his thoughts and my thoughts are very similar that you think outside of yourself, Dominic, you don't have to worry. If you want to get ahead, don't worry about that. I never worried about, Oh, is there going to be competition there? Or what happens if I don't push to be, you know, better than everybody else? You know, you, you know, I didn't worry about stepping on people. I just did a really good job and I wanted to see people to develop. And the more you push people to develop, to succeed, 
they help you and they help you succeed. So that's my real philosophy on that. And so I, I get energized when I see, can I help people? You know, I, somebody just was in the middle, I'm working with them on who's starting to write a book, how I can help her take it to the next level, or how I take somebody just started out in a small retail business right. of building a clothing line, uh, and how do I get them to do well? Those things are as valuable to me as even taking somebody and making him a CEO. Yeah, I did work with uh, a guy who ran his company, Jet Smarter, which was a, which is a, a, a um, company that wanted to be the air, Airbnb, and, 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 you know, working with him. The biggest thing with young people is having to have people that around them that balance their youth and, as I said earlier, helps them take the vision to fruition. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you, Bob Fish, for coming on the show. Uh, you definitely gave great value, great knowledge, something we can all sink our teeth into. And once again, Startup Nation, the book is Fish Tales, The Making of a Millennial Baby Boomer. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And so, Bob, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody out there in Startup Nation, especially with everything going on, they're feeling a little discouraged, feeling a little down. Give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind, please, sir. Sure. And, and, and I really understand that right now, and especially a lot of young people sitting there. What's going to happen to me? Again, number one, I think push to have connections, to push to speak to people who have connections, speaking people that might know somebody that can help you. Just sending in resumes aren't the answer and not to be afraid to take a stand. You've got to have. If, if breathing life into new ideas, you know, come up with something new and and really get your point across and to not to be afraid to take a risk. And I think that that's the important thing. And and to speak up. Don't be afraid to speak up. And if you really push like that, then my words of the best is yet to come will come to you, Dominic. The best is yet to come. Thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Bob. I really appreciate it. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.